When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Evan Lazar is here to help answer some mailbag questions. Evan, it's been a tough year. Uh, You know, we've at least entered the part of the season where we can start looking forward to 2024. I feel like it's pretty official. You got Matt getting benched. The record is what it is. I think they've got a 0.1% chance of making the playoffs. So where is your (laughs) head head at this point? I can't even know that. You you know where their playoff odds are still? I'm, I'm impressed. To be fair, I read Bill Barnwell's article on ESPN and that helped. <laughs> but I will still take the credit. Uh, but yeah, where is your head at right now? Because I've basically just given where my perspective is. Where are you kind of leading in terms of you want the team to win? It's okay for yeah. them to start losing seriously yeah. now. What's what's your perspective? I would say that in general, I'm, I'm leaning heavily towards Team Tank at, at this mm-hmm. point. I think to win a few games and even if it makes the season interesting for us to cover it and things like that in the long run, it probably doesn't do very much for the state of the franchise. I think we saw that last year where they were in it until the very last week of the season in Buffalo. If they had won that game, they would have made the playoffs. It was a winner in type of situation, but at the same time, it it felt like such a, I don't know, just a middling it sort of situation where, you know that they're not a Super Bowl contender. You know they're probably not even a contender to win a playoff game, even if they squeak in. And now you're in a situation where, I, I have to admit, it, it does make you feel a little bit good, I guess is the word. I, I don't know if it's the right word, but a little bit better about the situation, knowing that at the end of this might be the third overall pick in the draft or you know something in the top five. That, that I feel like makes you feel better than let's say them stumbling to six or seven wins just for the sake of, of making this season a little bit more interesting. I completely agree. Like, you know, I'm Mr. Optimistic. I'm saying before, like after the Bills game, like, all right, let's give them a shot. Yeah. Dolphins game happens. And I'm like, all right, yeah, probably, you know, we're not really, there's not a lot of hope. And then after commanders and close losses, it's looking pretty rough, but more recent news, uh, even more so than Max Benching and everything else going on, Jack Jones was released yeah. by the team, waived officially. Uh, obviously had some trouble in college with the burglary that he pled guilty to. Comes to the Pats, doesn't finish the season because he violated team rules. There's that whole thing. Then there's the gun charge in the offseason. And then you had him being late to curfew uh, before the Commanders game. Saw him get benched before the game in Germany, uh, the first few series, and he had a season-low 18% snap count. So that begs the first question that we're going to be going over today. Where does the 2024 draft class rate? Is it the worst draft class of all time? I'm guessing that's for the Patriots. I don't think they're going so big as to be like, is it the worst ever? But what's your opinion? It's a good question. And when you you asked this question, um, when you texted me about this, I was trying to go back and and – and think and look, I I think that in 2018 
they at least got a season of Sony Michelle. So I, mm. I guess in that instance, it wasn't the worst draft of Patriots history because they got a running back who was a number one guy and, and was part of that Super Bowl. So I, I guess you give them that. But that 2018 draft is not so hot either. Like you're talking about Win Michelle, Duke Dawson, Juwan Bentley is really the only player to come from that draft. The la- the draft in 19, I think, might be worse. Just given the where the franchise was at the time and what they needed, they took the players that they needed. They just missed on the picks badly. Mm. Like you're talking about Nikhil Harry, um, you know, Jawan Williams. Those picks really put them back multiple years because mm. Nikhil Harry didn't give them the playmaker that they needed. They knew that they needed a developmental outside corner that ends up not working out with Jawan Williams. But I think what's different about this draft and this is a very long answer. I think what's different about this draft is how sudden it stinks. Those other drafts, at least you had some players that you were, okay, let's see if this guy develops. Let's see, um, you know, where this could go. And it, it, it had some promise. Like 18, you mm-hmm. had Michelle's rookie year. Isaiah Wynn at first was okay, you know, before some of the things happened with him. 19, I think that you had some hope with guys like Damian Harris, Chase Winovich, you know, those types of players. This draft, we're a year into this draft and it's already an F, <laughs> which yeah. I don't think that that happens very often. <laughs> and I think that this is right up there, especially given the circumstances of they needed to stack good drafts together and they just didn't hear. And it's crazy because last year this was touted as like a pretty good draft class. You had Cole Strange. Who's going in, obviously, you know, he started, he struggles, but he had a pretty solid finish of the year. Tyquan Thornton, it's always hurt, you know, got off to a slow start because he didn't get to play early. He's going to bounce back. Marcus Jones, we still don't know if he's a really good cornerback. We know he's a great returner. He's a solid corner, at least. But we don't know, all right, is he the kind of guy that, you know, being a third-round pick was warranted. Jack Jones, as we already talked about. He's gone. Now he's in Vegas because they were like, hey, we took a gamble. And I will say, I don't think Jack Jones' situation was the worst thing in the world. It's a fourth-round pick. He was a player that was higher than a fourth-round talent, and they said, hey, we'll take a risk. It didn't pay off. So that one's a little, you know, they tried. It didn't work. But Pierre Strong getting traded for an offensive tackle in Tyrone Wheatley, who's currently on injured reserve. Bailey Zappi, a weird one because you thought, you know, they're trying to do this whole Shanahan thing, which is why you get Cole Strange and Taekwon Thornton. And you're thinking, all right, these are pretty simplistic reads, like what we saw Bailey Zappi excel in when he's been playing. But now he's in a Bill O'Brien system that does not fit at all where he is mentally as an NFL player. So he's a guy that they not only subjected to waivers, but that you're thinking probably isn't even going to have much of a career past this season with the team. And then Kevin Harris, practice squad, Sam Roberts, you know, he's solid, but he's really just a role player. Then Jason Hines, not on the team anymore. Andrew Stuber, rough preseason, although I think the consensus is he probably shouldn't be at left tackle. So just a really tough situation for guys that contributed for you last year. And now you're looking at them and saying, all right, ah, like you said, it's pretty much an F unless Cole Strange has an insane uh, career rebound and same for Taekwon Thornton there. So 
yeah, I mean, Cole Strange yeah. and like I just people that are on this channel know my reaction to the Cole Strange pick in real time. So it's I don't legendary. need to, I I don't need to you know defend my honor here when I say that I hated it to begin with, and I still don't like the pick. So I think the biggest thing with the draft last year, and this was Matt Groh's first draft where he had a, a big role in it as the director of player personnel, and I, I know people also think that. Um, you know, Matt Patricia had a role in this draft too. But I, I would say that in general, this is a, a good draft. And I thought they did a nice job of course correcting uh, on this year's draft where they probably drafted everybody around too high. They mm-hmm. they probably reached on pretty much every single player besides maybe Marcus Jones by around. So you have Cole Strange, if he's your second round pick instead of your first round pick and let's say you plug in whoever in the first round, you know, Quay Walker, what, you know, Trent McDuffie, whoever, and you get one of those players in the first round, the second round's Cole Strange, the third round's Tyquan Thornton. Like, I guess you can start to convince yourself a little bit better of this draft, but you and I talked a little bit off the air earlier today in the locker room about Cole Strange. I'm not sure that Cole Strange is going to be cut out to be a long-term starter at guard in the league. And if that's the way that this ends up going, like he's going to get the longest leash out of all these players, but that, if that's the end way that this ends up going, then that draft class is going to be looked at as epically bad. Yep. Because right now you got city. So at the other guard spot and you're thinking, okay, Cole strange first round pick. He's the guy who handles all the one-on-one assignments. Kind of like, you know, Mason or Tooney could do it. But a lot of the time it was Tooney's responsibility. Saw it in the Super Bowl against the Rams where it's like, yeah, we're going to leave you one-on-one against Aaron Donald. Survive. And he did more than that. He actually succeeded. You're seeing now on a weekly basis. Cole Strange obviously had to put on weight. Missed pretty much all of summer. Started behind the eight ball. Like it's a tough situation. But the fact that he's getting kind of manhandled by good defensive tackles on a weekly basis. And then you got a rookie on the other side. Long-term, it begs the question of, okay, what do we really have? Because if City so isn't expected to be the guy that can have that kind of responsibility, you've got two players who, again, one City so is solid, but neither one of those guys you really want to leave on an island. Tough situation there up front. But even more than that, quarterback, biggest news right now, Mac Jones just spoke on the radio, doesn't know if he's going to be the starter or not, but a lot of people are saying that he kind of played himself out of the starting job. So next question we've got, do you think Zappi will start against the Giants? I I do think Zappi will start. I I don't necessarily know if it's for anything other than the fact that at this point, one, I I think that Mac Jones, the only thing that he could possibly benefit for at this point is a mental break. Like that's the Mm -hmm. only way that you kind of go here, go from here is maybe, some time holding the clipboard, some time out of the out of the limelight, out of the spotlight will help him. And I, I don't think that that saves his Patriots career necessarily, but it certainly couldn't hurt to give him some time off and see if he can reset mentally uh, on the game. Because mm-hmm. I think that you know both you and I watch the film uh, maybe a little bit too much, uh, but uh, we we both look at it and I think a lot of what's happening with Mac is is bad habits that have mentally crept into his process where. Uh, He's slow to react to things. Uh, He's not necessarily seeing the field particularly well. And of course, uh, you know, maybe most of all, uh, he's antsy and just lost under pressure at at this point. And any sign, a a flash of color, a push in the pocket, anything like that is is causing him to go haywire. 
I don't know how you fix that by playing through it. And so I, I think that that's one. And then I would say that too, I, I really believe that there's some issues in that locker room right now uh, about whether or not he's the right guy for the job. And mm-hmm. I think you start to look at the long term of it as well. And guys are going to have to sit in there and say, we're running this guy back out there again. He clearly isn't winning us football games. What are we doing? And I, I think that that's going to be an element that they're going to have to consider as well. I know Giardi had to report earlier tonight about how there are players in the locker room that that feel like Mac shouldn't be the starter moving forward. And I, I would say that I, I think that that sentiment is probably pretty true uh, for a lot of the guys, especially, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel. You know it's America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Look, if you're not good at math, you, you even you know that's a good deal. I mean, I'm not good at math. and I, I know that's a good deal. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off your NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, here we go, folks. Now pay attention to this. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gambling helpline ma.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Yeah, and I had a whole piece like breaking down Mac's game and gave my opinion on whether or not I thought that he should continue to be the starter. My two caveats for doing it, because I don't think there's a lot of benefit, but I did say if it does, it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to send a message from Bill and say that what he's been doing and putting the game in a situation where you're helping the other team actively, it's him saying, we're not doing this anymore. Like we are resetting. We need to make a significant change. And he's really the one guy you point to week in and week out. Now that Darian Lowe isn't a regular starter and you're saying, you're the reason we're losing. It's a team game, but you are giving the other team possessions and points. The other was that kind of similar to what you said was if you are so worried that Mac is like playing can actually legitimately fully break him and he has lost all his confidence and you're just kind of digging a deeper hole by putting him out there. That's where I understand. All right, you pull him. And the reasoning for that is like I said, Zappy, he was exposed to waivers. He's probably not remotely in their long-term plans. Will Greer is going to be a free agent. Bill Belichick has already said he's not really getting opportunities in practice because he's a third quarterback. So it's very unlikely that they think that he's going to have any role. Mac Jones is the only person who's under contract and is either going to be a starter or a backup for you next season. So I personally don't see the benefit of keeping him on the bench and putting in guys who you're not, there's not, let's see what we've got. Cause you know, Bailey Zappi isn't a starter. And I don't think that Will Greer or Bailey Zappi would really get through an entire half of football against a decent team without people saying, get them out, get them out. I know that this is what I wanted. I'm sick of it. This is bad. Get them out. So it's a really, it's, but it really is just the situation the Pats have put themselves in where you don't have a starting quarterback, but the one guy you have who has shown any starting ability is broken to the point where 
it's it's sad. It's just like you said, it's the mental mistakes week in and week yeah. out where all these little things that weren't problems at other points in his career are now glaring concerns. But there is somebody else on the team who they could also put in if Bailey's happy doesn't work out. So next question, what's wrong with starting Will Greer at quarterback? Well, I think you you hit the nail on the head there where when you're in this point of the season, how many reps is Will Greer really getting in practice and, and how many reps is he really getting with the ones in practice? He might be getting scout team reps. And I know Belichick said that both him and Zappi have been handling scout team to kind of get them both in there, but that's not with the other starting offensive players. That's not in the game plan of Bill O'Brien's system. I just think that there's a lot of things that he still hasn't necessarily uh, been a part of on the offensive side of the ball from that perspective. And I would also just say at this point, from what I've seen of Will Greer in the past, other than that one preseason game in Dallas, it, it was pretty rough. So I know Zappi hasn't been much better of late, but at least Zappi has those two starts last year against Detroit and Cleveland to hang his hat on. And you look at those two games, you look at this game coming up against the Giants, if you're truly in the business of still trying to win football games, I think you can talk yourself into Zappi giving you a chance against a really bad Giants team who might be the only offense in the league that's worse than yours. So that all said, I I still think that the best quarterback on the team is Mac Jones. I just don't necessarily know at this point if he's the right quarterback for the team, uh, given the circumstances. I mean, you saw you know two things. You saw, I, I would assume, on the TV broadcast, his body language, how dejected he was after throwing the pick at the end of the game last week. I watched him all the way from the moment the pick was thrown to walking all the way and sitting back down on the bench. And when you talk about a defeated human being, I mean, the the slouching over, it was tough to watch. Like, I, I really felt for him in that moment as a human being. And, and I would also just say – you heard some things after the game where you were a little bit concerned about the locker room and how much effort guys were going to have at this point. And I think that maybe it just sends a message that at least we're doing something a little bit different. Yeah, man, we hear Mac after every game. He's and like, I'm not trying to say, like, Oh, he was crying, but he really did sound like he had either been or was trying not to cry. Yeah. And that's a tough place to be in, man. Like he faces the music. He's a, he's accountable to us. He answers all our questions. Like he does everything he's supposed to do as a professional. And like you said, man, just as a human being, it's tough to see him go through this, especially when you know that I'm not, you don't have to agree or disagree. I know you work for him, but it's the team's fault. Like you didn't give him uh, enough protection. He's had a billion offensive line combinations throughout his career. He's never had a receiver who is a quick winner other than Jacoby, who you could look at and be like, all right, it's a tight situation. I'm going to focus on this receiver. And even when you had Jacoby, you didn't have somebody who had a dynamic skill set where not only could they win quickly, but turn that into any semblance of a big play. So it's tough. Last thing we're going to put up to beat the quarterback situation over the head, because I've been getting this a lot. Should the Patriots reach out to Cam Newton? You have actually been getting this. Actually, dude, a lot, a lot. Yes. What? Wow. Uh, no, <laughs> hard no. Look, I enjoyed covering Cam Newton in 2020. One of my biggest regrets, honestly, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but I really wish that I got to cover Cam Newton in a non-COVID season. Like it kind of stunk that all of our interactions with Cam were over Zoom calls and things like that. It would have been, I think, pretty cool to see him 
in his element in a locker room, yeah. right? Like, and just see how he he jives. But the one thing I will say about Cam, and I'm, and I, I'm hard no on, on calling Cam <laughs> Newton. Uh, but the one thing that I learned about Cam, and 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 or I guess I learned from Cam when covering him in 2020, uh, was that even when he was just not playing well, and even when he had uh, tons of issues, tons of issues um, with his passing, his bravado and like his confidence and his swagger and just he was a starting quarterback like he was yeah, cam yeah. freaking newton right and like that held weight in the locker room i i remember in particular jacoby you mentioned him it, it made me think of it uh, jacoby myers told a story about you know this was a point of jacoby's career where he was still trying to figure it out in the nfl and it wasn't mm-hmm. a sure thing for him and things like that and cam newton just said to him hey like you're you're a <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was just me or not. I was like, you're a what? All right, we're gonna try to get some of that worked out. But for right now, we're gonna send it over to our friends. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Too busy with holiday plans to cook, but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Skip the stress of meal prepping over the holidays with Factor. Choose from 35-plus weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences. All delivered right to your door and ready to eat in two minutes. This November, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and eat fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready to eat in just two minutes? No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash patsdaily50 and use code patsdaily50 to get 50% off. That's code PatsDaily50 at Factormeals.com slash PatsDaily50 to get 50% off. All right, Evan's back, so now we can get off this cliffhanger. What did he say? Oh, my God. Uh, What what was the last thing you heard? For some reason, whenever I do... I do these live streams now at my like computer internet pot like craps out or something. I don't know. I'm out of practice, you know, we don't. <laughs> it's all right. You're big time now. You don't have to like work on your own shows and whatnot, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, but it was about Jacoby and what Cam told him when he was struggling. Yeah. So Jacoby, you know, Cam kind of took Jacoby under his wing. I know Jacoby's talked about this a little bit more publicly lately. And I just said, Hey, like you're a good player. You're, you're a baller. Like you're, you're a stud. Like you're going to be good in this league. Like keep working at it. And I, that was what I, I took from Cam. And I think when we start to talk about, I know we probably will here tonight, we start talking about the next quarterback and draft and things like that. I think one of the biggest things that I'm going to try to focus on other than, you know, what we do, like the film stuff and things like that is just about the guy's swag, like his character, the way he carries himself. I think that for a lot of people, Mac Jones has never really carried himself like a, like a franchise quarterback, you know, the way that he's handled last year, uh, the way that he, you know, kind of just 
doesn't necessarily exude confidence to the room. And I, I think that that's something that Cam, even when he was terrible in 2020 mm. at times, he always had that, that swagger, like I'm Cam Newton. And, and I think that that's a big thing that Mac is going to have to figure out if he ever can. Yeah, that's where I mean, you look at this class, guys like Michael Penix, like a Drake May. I would say especially Michael Penix. He's the one where I look at him and I'm like, one, he's tough as hell. And you see that on the field and guys rally around him. But when you're looking at that next franchise guy, I think it makes you also appreciate Brady more. And obviously, when you think of Brady, you think about what he did on the field. But when you talk about Mac Jones and his mentality and the way he carries himself, one thing about Mac is I will say before this season, like he had himself a little clutch gene. But it was different with Tom, where it was like a maniacal refusal to lose, where when he got down, you knew that he was going to evolve and try to find a better version of himself and that it wasn't going to keep him down because you can't keep Tom Brady down. And not everybody's like that. It's an impossible standard because, again, like Tom Brady had to go like to get himself checked out and like go to a therapist in college and be like, all right, like this losing thing is pretty serious for me. But I think that's a huge element of it when we talk about who could potentially be the next quarterback of this team is that confidence, how they carry themselves, and their ability to win over the locker room, which Mac did early, but, you know, things have happened since then. But in the situation the Patriots are in, everybody's got to go. People want a full-fledged rebuild, and that obviously starts with the guy who says himself that everything starts and ends with him, Bill Belichick. There's been talks that Bill Belichick from Diana Racine, he probably isn't going to be on the Patriots next season. There's going to be a mutual parting of ways, most likely, and hopefully it will result in the Patriots getting a first-round pick if they actually do move on. What do you think that trade compensation will realistically look like if the Patriots decide to move on from Belichick via trade? Yeah, look, I think this is a difficult one because of Belichick's age, and I think that's going to be a factor for a lot of teams of – how much longer is he really going to be doing this for? And not like before we even get into the fact that, frankly, he's just not been a very good coach for the last couple of years, or net let alone a, a personnel guy, which has been even worse. And you brought up earlier how this is the team's fault, and I I couldn't agree more. I've been saying that until I almost maybe a little bit too much. Like I I just I can't really say it enough. Like they played the hits on how to ruin a young quarterback. They took a guy that as a rookie at least showed promise. Like I think that we can look back on Max rookie year now and probably have different feelings about how good it actually was. But the bottom line was, was he was a net positive quarterback as a rookie like that, whatever way, whether you think he was on a franchise trajectory or not, like I think we can, we can put that litigation to bed, but he was a net positive quarterback. And since then, He has changed coordinators twice. So he now has three coordinators in three years. They haven't added a single playmaker that moves the needle for them offensively in his time as the quarterback. Their offensive line, right tackle has been the worst position on the roster for two and a half years. And they've never done anything to do it, uh, to fix it. And their only answer at left tackle has ever been Trent Brown. Like that's just always been what they've defaulted to. So you have a line that is personnel issues and just has talent issues at tackle, probably the most important position on the offense other than quarterback. You have no receivers and you have a pocket passer who has no third down back and no consistent separator out of the slot. Like great job. Good job all around by everybody. So if you're looking at this from another team, like I would say this to their faces, like be careful what you wish for. Like, are you sure that the path that you want to take 
I understand he's got the cachet. I understand he has the resume and the rings, but Bill Belichick for three or four years now has not been a very good head coach in the National Football mm-hmm. League. So at some point that has to matter. It has to matter what they've done recently. And uh, in it, it, he just hasn't been very good. So you look at his age, uh, you look at his performance, and you talk about compensation. I, I can't imagine they're going to get a first-round pick for him, or mel- let alone multiple like Sean Payton got uh, for the from the Broncos to the, uh, the to the Saints. I, I think a day two pick is probably the most realistic. Maybe you get some team to give you a one just out of desperation to win the bidding war. But in general, I, I really do wonder how much of a market Bill Belichick will ultimately have. I think it could be a situation similar to Brady uh, in his free agency where there's really only like one or two serious suitors and everybody Mm -hmm. else kind of, Oh yeah. Like we'd have a meeting, but like, we're not necessarily thrilled about the idea. And I I think Belichick might be the same. Yeah. And I'll reference the Bill Barnwell article I talked about earlier, because I thought he made a pretty fair point. If you get rid of Bill Belichick, the defense for the Patriots, like obviously there have been issues recently, but you can't ignore the fact that they've lost some of the most important pieces, Gonzalez and Judon, and then additionally Devin McCourty, because they haven't really replaced him exceptionally well. So if you get rid of Belichick, it's probably going to hurt the defense significantly. The offense, like obviously, has been terrible. And the de- and the discipline for the defense or the team overall for the past few years has not been what you expect from Patriots squad. But defensively, one, what does it mean for them? And also, how many people do you lose who are actually net positives for you? Like, does that become a whole new rebuild where you're like, this is, we're just going to bring in completely different people? That's a pretty significant undertaking and its own massive risk in and of itself. So, yeah, I agree. And honestly, it wasn't until I read Bill's piece and I was like, okay, I understand the argument for keeping it because, like you said, he hasn't been good the past few years. I have been of the camp before this season of, give Belichick some time, like give him competent coaching. Everything's going to like work itself out the way it has for 20 years. But we've gotten to the point where it's no, you can look back half a decade further if you want to probably about a decade. And the draft success hasn't been there. Free agency since about the time Brady left hasn't been very good. And then, so the build a GM, not doing much for you. And then build a coach. The defense has been good, but for a guy who's supposed to have his hand in all the pies, you know, to varying degrees of actual influence because he trusts his coaches, there's a lot of issues still. So it's an interesting conversation, but yeah, I I would agree with you that I'm hoping for a first round pick from a franchise, just like we need a head coach who's going to get butts and seats and get people excited. But yeah. I also don't think you can pull the wool over fans' eyes and be like, oh, look, it's Bill Belichick. Because people are like, well, the Patriots have been a laughing stock for a while now. So now. Yeah. A while, but two years in New England is a long time. <laughs> yeah, I do. You know, I think you bring up an interesting point about the defense because it's something that I've thought a lot about too uh, recently, which is wouldn't you like to keep the defensive structure the same? Because the defensive structure is still sound. Like they still play mm-hmm. good defense in terms of the system and in terms of what they do. Now it's gotten a little bit vanilla this year, just because I think they don't have the personnel to really make it any more um, creative or spicy or whatever. I mean, if they send like one of those freaking creeper pressures again, that just gets blocked by the center. like It's just going to drive me nuts. Like those <laughs> things are just like not working. Now let alone the nickel blitzes where Jabril peppers or miles. Bryan is just running past the Worked quarterback. Like a, one like, time. A, <laughs> like a drive-by. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is, is to me, 
I would love to find a way, whether he's at as the head coach or as the formal defensive coordinator, uh, to retain Gerard Mayo to keep the defensive side of the ball the same and then really just be bringing in a new offensive mind and a new GM uh, to run the personnel side of things to modernize and bring the offense up to the 21st century. I think that that's the best way to to do it, whether that's Gerard as the head coach and some new offensive coordinator or the GM or whatever the case may be. Uh, but in general, I, I would like to keep that structure. I Not to cross sports, but I know the Bruins, when they hired uh, um, Montgomery and they, they fired Bruce Cassidy, uh, they didn't touch the defensive system. They just mm. made it some tweaks so that it fit what they wanted to do offensively. And I know they haven't won anything necessarily, but you know their seasons have been pretty darn good the last couple of years. So I think that that's there's something to be said for the fact that let's keep the defense the same and let's retool the offense. As long as his kids don't go with him, I think they should be in solid shape. Just keep that core because they're the ones who are actually doing some good things for you. But now we're talking about trade compensation. We're talking about draft picks. So let's start strategizing. What could this offseason actually look like? Next question. Do you, prefer, do you prefer for the Patriots to draft a quarterback with the first round pick and then trade for a vet, wide receiver like Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, or go with Marvin Harrison Jr., then draft a quarterback in the second round with a veteran bridge quarterback? So this is the either or that's going to fill our shows, Taylor, for like the next six months, <laughs> right? Like this is, yep. this is the scenario. I, I think that the tough part about answering this question right now is the draft – the board changes so drastically for the media that a guy that we might like in the second round might end up being a first round pick might end up being a fourth round pick in the eyes of the NFL, right? Like you just don't necessarily know until it gets closer. And even when it gets closer, I you know, I brought up earlier today, like Will Levis was a consensus top 10, top 15 quarterback. And he ends up going with the first pick of the second round last year. And everybody was shocked. I mean, they invited him to the draft. And the poor yeah. guy is just sitting there <laughs> waiting to get his name called. So these things sway a lot. Uh, and I would say that in my mind, though, I, I would go with the veteran receiver with the first round quarterback. I, I just think that that's the best way to spread out your assets because it's going to be really, really difficult to take a quarterback in the veteran market or a second round guy and turn that guy into a franchise caliber player. Whereas it's much easier to find the receiver in the franchise market. Like we've seen that model time and time again at this point, whether it's the Eagles trading for AJ Brown, the Dolphins trading for Tyree Kill, the Bills trading for Stephon Diggs, like this, we can go down the, the list of scenarios where that has worked out. So I would say pair the quarterback, uh, you know, with a with a veteran receiver, and and then let's see what we got. Especially because the quarterback's going to need some help. Like they're going to need some yeah. helping along the way as well. And hey, I mean, if they go for a young quarterback and a young receiver and they, you know, get a little bit of both and a veteran, you know, again, like kind of like that Eagles model or the Dolphins, like a lot of the best offenses, they have a guy that they just drafted, another guy who was older on his, um, on a more expensive contract, but like an IUK. Somebody who's a quick separator, explosive, can make a lot of their own yards and a lot of their own plays where if you get the inevitable moments where your rookie quarterback makes some decisions you probably shouldn't make, you at least have a guy who's been in the NFL and you know that he can capitalize and turn some of those probably negative plays into some more positive ones. 
now we'll move on from the draft and go towards exclusively free agency. Who are the upcoming free agents you'd prefer the Patriots to target, assuming they actually hit free agency? All right. Well, uh, free agency, I think the last couple of years, what we've learned is that the guys that end up actually getting truly getting to unrestricted free agency for the most part, we're talking about, I don't know what to call them, B tier players, or, you know, we're not talking about elite blue chip type of guys. I think the one guy over the last couple of years in my mind is, is not uh, mistaken is, you know, Judon is probably the last guy that truly be turned into like an elite player for his new team that moved in free agency. Like even all those tackles that we all got hot and bothered about last year, uh, the most of those guys have had rough years, honestly, uh, with their new teams this year. So I I think that, uh, you know, it's tough. I, I, the one thing I would say, and I know this is not like a sexy name or something like that, but I would keep an eye on Jacoby Brissett and just what, he might bring to the table as a bridge veteran stopgap slash locker room slash mentor slash good all around good guy <laughs> for the Patriots. <laughs> I, I I think that that is the type of quarterback that I would look at and say, okay, you know, what about Jacoby Brissett with your first round quarterback? If you don't want to throw Caleb Williams or you don't want to throw Drake May or Michael Penix. Uh, right into the fire, Jacoby Brissett can at least hold the seat for six weeks. He's not your franchise quarterback. He's not your starter. Like no one's making that argument, but as a backup quarterback, I I think that that's not a bad way to go. Or Josh Dobbs, just get a good guy who can win you some games and I'll be happy. Uh, Before we got a couple questions left, but before we do that, one more ad for y'all, send it over to our friends at Factor. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you couldn't tell, we really, really love Factor over here at Pats Daily. All right, two more questions for you. Pretty good ad reads, man. Like that, that's pretty convincing. I now I'm able to say, like, I was way worse at it than that. Like that was that was pretty darn good. I'm convinced. To be fair, I think I think that was like my eighth take. They're a lot harder than you would think just reading something off a screen, but thank you, buddy. Yeah. All right. Next question. If Josh McDaniels would come back, would that help Mac Jones? Or is it not worth bringing him back? Also, on a more positive note, are you enjoying Spider-Man 2? I don't know if you have it, but I do. And it is freaking phenomenal. I would buy a PlayStation again just to play that game. Just my opinion. Uh, I am not playing Spider-Man 2. Uh, I did recently watch the new uh, Spider-Verse movie on the plane to uh, a road game, though, earlier this season. And I will say that that was the best plane ride I've had in a while. That that movie is absolutely fantastic. Uh, but in terms of Josh McDaniels, I love me some Josh McDaniels. Like Josh McDaniels has always been one of uh, one of those guys that I really think is a good offensive coach. I, I 
He's not a good head coach. All right. We all know that. We can all see that. It's failed twice. I'm not trying to like defend Josh McDaniels and say he actually did a great job with the Raiders and screw, you know, uh, the Davis family. Like no one's like saying that. Uh, but at the same time, in terms of his offensive acumen, I, I think that what he does so well, uh, his early down offense when it comes to the run game, the play action, obviously the usage of a fullback a better job of that than Billy O. I, I do. I I'm have had a lot of fun watching uh, some of Billy O's pass game. Like his drop back pass game, I think is really, really cool uh, with how he, you know, switch releases and bunches and uh, trip sides and things like that, that cause a lot of problems. But McDaniels is early down offense and his run game in particular. I mean, that's one of the most diverse run games that we, that they have in the NFL. That's still, like an old school power downhill offense. Uh, he's a good run game coordinator. Do I think that helps back? Yes, because uh, as we saw in 2021, if you can be a run first and a productive run first offense and put him in uh, favorable down and distances and ahead of the chains and incorporate play action and things like that, uh, then I think that Matt can be managed in that sense. Uh, but I, I wonder why, you know, I wonder if that there's really a, a home for McDaniels here now, uh, just given that they are bringing in some different new coaches, you know, guys like an Adrian Clem, obviously Bill O'Brien too. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be an immediate home, but if you told me that the Patriots next regime is Gerard Mayo and Josh McDaniels with uh, somebody picking the groceries, like I'm not necessarily, I'm not against it. I don't love it, but I'm not against it. Yeah, like I agree. I like Bill O'Brien is modernizing. He's using more motion or more modern motions that you really see with McDaniels. Yeah. Like you said, the three receiver stuff is what gets me really excited because that's what you see from a lot of the Andy Reid tree because there's yeah. so many different ways you can manipulate and kind of predict what a defense is going to do. But the run game stuff, like watching the Raiders offense, you know, it's been tough with McDaniels there, but at the same time, all the stuff with Jakob, I'm just like, I miss that man so, so much. Because as much yeah. as I love just watching inside zone and duo, you know, they've started mixing in some more jet motion and stuff. There's that. But, I mean, it, you definitely miss the flavor that uh, Josh McDaniels had. And clearly his track record worked pretty well because Mac was great as a rookie. Very good. Very good. All right. Last question we got for the night for Evan. Has Zeke's play met the expectations you had from in the preseason? Also, Munchlax. This little guy right here. Top five Pokemon after Psyduck and Wartortle, or I would say absolutely just on aesthetic alone and also whoever does the voice acting for Munchlax. A plus. One of the best in the business. That's just my humble opinion. I, I like Snorlax. I'm a Snorlax Fair. guy because, okay. you know, who doesn't love to sleep? Like sleeping is <laughs> easily one of the best things about. Mr. Uh, I don't sleep on the plane loves sleeping. I don't sleep. On, I can't sleep on the plane, man. It's brutal. It's brutal, especially this year. Had you know the Vegas trip. You have Germany, and I just I can't. I can't do it. I can't get comfortable uh, to, to sleep. Oh man, uh, we still got Denver coming up. Like that's a pretty yeah. long flight. So uh, please, uh, you know, pray for me that maybe I can <laughs> I can find a way to to get my eyes shut on a plane. Um, in terms of Zeke, <laughs> that. Anyways, uh, and I digress. In terms of Zeke, uh, I would say that he has met my expectations. Yeah, 
I, I felt like he was always going to be like a good RB2 to Ramondre. I think he's brought a little bit in the passing game that we expected. Uh, the screen game certainly recently has been pretty productive with him. And I think he's ran pretty hard. I mean, there was times this season where he was their best running back. So in some ways uh, he might have exceeded. But now that Ramondre has gotten back into that 2022 form of his, uh, that's really what we were hoping to see from this duo. I thought last week was what we wanted out of this yeah. Pairing, they just couldn't do anything in the passing game uh, to supplement it. So if they can keep that going, I, I look. I I said in the beginning of the show that I I am all aboard the tank engine at this point, and I I really do uh, believe that. But at the same time, if you are a Patriots fan that is miserable watching this team lose every single week, uh, if they can keep running the football like that, and then maybe be a little bit more productive in the play action passing game. Uh, then maybe they can find something to work off of offensively. That's That just always seems to be the foundation that they go back to with Mac Jones. Like when all else fails, we're going to put him under center, we're going to run the football, and we're going to hit play action off of it, and that's going to be our offense. Uh, so maybe that's where they end up going back to. And it's that strategy right there that makes me hope that Ben Johnson is in the running to be on the Patriots next season. I thought that run where Zeke bounced duo and then outran the safety of the sideline. I was like, that's the best run he's had since he got here. Like yeah. you see the burst, you see the cutting ability, all that. Are you re-signing him next offseason? I feel like why not? I doubt he's going to ask for much money. Yeah, I, I think I probably would as well. I mean, the big thing, and we all know this, they absolutely need to have a true third down back on this team next yes. year. I don't care who the quarterback is. They need to figure out a position, you know, a spot for that position. And we talked about the 2022 draft earlier. And I, I think one of the more disappointing decisions uh, of this recent, you know, this season, like in-season decisions, uh, was trading Pierre Strong for Tyrone Wheatley Jr., who is now on injured reserve, never really made a push to start or play any sort of role on the offensive line. And I, I really thought that Pierre Strong showed some flashes of being able to be at least a spread back, right? Like somebody mm -hmm. that in uh, spread formations against lighter defenses, you get the guy the football in some space and he could do something with it. Uh, I thought that that move was was premature with Pierre Strong. I, I would have kept on, you know, hung on to him. So I, I like bringing back Zeke. You keep the Ramondre Zeke thing together for early downs. And then maybe you try to draft or, or find a, a third down back in some way, shape or form. Michael Carter. How do you feel about maybe, him? maybe. I mean, I think that that's a player that's worth considering because it's not, it's not a short-term claim, right? Like it's not a, a claim where you're just trying to to get somebody in the building, like, you know, trading for JC Jackson, for example, earlier this season, that was a desperation in case of emergency. Um, so I, I think that there was, there's some hope maybe from Michael Carter in terms of his long-term projection. Sure. We'll see. All right. Thank you, Evan. I've held you for far too long, but before you get out of here, I, we do this every time. Everybody knows you. You're so popular. Everybody loves you. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Right, 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 but right. just in case somebody snuck in here who hasn't heard of the Evan Lazar, let them know where they can find you and your work. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, some people in the chat, I don't know if they're really friends with me, Taylor. They seem pretty, <laughs> they seem pretty testy in there. You're you got to because you left. You can't pay attention to the chat. I, I, I learned, you know, I forgot that from, from back in the day. Uh, but you can find me at uh, patriots.com. 
Uh, we have uh, Patriots Unfiltered 12 to 2. Uh, that's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And of course, uh, Patriots Catch 22 with myself and Alex Barth, who is still on this channel uh, quite a bit. Uh, we uh, do our show at 10 a.m. before Catch 22 or before, excuse me, before Unfiltered on Thursday. So uh, we'll have a show on uh, on Thursday uh, at 10 a.m. and then we'll have Unfiltered. Uh, we don't have a bye week on Patriots.com, so uh, we'll have our shows, our standard schedule of shows for the next couple of days. Fantastic. And Alex Barth will be on Pat's Daily tomorrow for our weekly quarterback talk from the college ranks. Because you You're going to have to have me on that at some point with you guys because – Barth, he he is trying so hard to get me to start looking at the draft. But as you can imagine, like this is one thing about my current job, like talking about other quarterbacks while the Patriots have a quarterback on the roster as Patriots.com is a little bit weird, right? Like that's yeah. a little bit of a conflict there. Uh, so I, 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 my bosses haven't cleared me for full takeoff yet on the draft. So uh, I'm still focused on the season, but eventually I'll, I'll find my way into that draft conversation with you guys. Well, you just said it on air, and Ahmed's going to clip it and put it on Twitter. So now this is a thing that has to happen. We'll just Please make don't sure do that. Okay. But yeah, I, I will be there. <laughs> all right, thank you, buddy. All right. Thank you, everyone, for being on. As always, thank you all for tuning in. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. 